From Relay FM, this is Analog, episode number 26. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Hover, Simplified Domain Management. My name is Mike Hurley, and I have the pleasure, as always, of being joined by Mr. Casey Liss. Hi, Casey. Hello. How are you, Mike? I am very well, sir. How are you? I am excellent, and I think you're about to tell us why I'm excellent. We have a, a guest today on the show. We always love having guests, and we have uh, Mr. Dermot Daly with us today. Hi, Dermot. How are you? Hello, how are you guys? Very well. Dermot, can you tell tell, tell the audience out there uh, what you like to be known for? <laughs> oh. My many guises. Well, um, my my daytime job, if you like, my, my what you call a J-O-B, I guess. Um, <laughs> I run an app development company based in Dublin called Tapadu. We develop iOS and Android apps. Um, and then in my uh, spare time, if you like, uh, I am co-organizer along with Paul Campbell and Sasha Wilson of a conference we've been running uh, coming into its fourth year now in Ireland called Ool. And Ool is uh, something that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago where I, I don't know, I think I just drove like a guilt hammer into Casey, I think, or maybe like a jealousy hammer, one of the two. I think it was more of anvil-sized, but carry on. So we uh, we kind of went over that a bit, and me and Dermot were talking uh, earlier this week, and we were talking about a couple of things, and, and there were a few sort of themes that came up that I thought would be really interesting to talk about on this show, and and so we're going to talk about that today. So I'm going to I'm going to take the helm as uh, as interviewer today, Dermot, and uh, we can we can chat about it because I've been thinking about kind of. What sort of questions and the things that I want to cover with you? Sure. Um, and I don't know. Casey can cry in the corner. I'm not sure what Casey will do. Maybe yeah, he'll cry. I think really what it's going to boil down to is me just sobbing periodically. <laughs> That's not really much different to any other week. Touche, to <laughs> <laughs> sir. Very well. Very good point. So one of the things that I was thinking about, and this is something that we've spoken about before, and I'm kind of going through this to to an extent at the moment as I'm I'm working on something, um, which is taking up a lot of my time, uh, is big projects. Now, a conference, organizing and running a conference, that is a that is a project of which the size I have never imagined, because you know it's not even so much like planning the speakers and then thinking of a venue. And all that stuff that happens up to up to the like the conference occurring, like even having like the website ready and stuff. Also, you've got the logistics of managing hundreds of people for four or five days or something like that. So, I think probably the best place to start, like, is to try and I think understand the mindset of why people take on these decisions. Why did you decide that you wanted to to put on a conference? I think I think that's a really interesting question. Um, uh, because this year our conference theme is called motivation and um we have been thinking about a lot about why why are our speakers or why are our attendees like they are and and why do we do it um the short answer is honestly Paul Campbell came to me back in uh, I guess it's what are we 2014 it was 2012 and said I've got a great idea for a conference and I even have a cool name for it <laughs> that, was, that was pretty much it. Um, so the name Ool comes from, it's, it's the Irish word for apple. So I think what drew Paul to it was that um, Singleton was something we already looked up to and Singleton had the nice sedilla on the sea and Ool in, um, the U in Ool has what we call in Irish, Irish a fada. It's a, it'd be like an accent in in French. It's like, we have accents too, not just those Canadians. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so so literally the idea, you know, remember Paul had already run three conferences, so he had some background in doing this. Um, but yeah, so if you were to ask me why the first one, it was very much on a whim. Why we're now into our fourth one is, I guess, um, the, the results of it, I think, are a lot of fun. The work is is quite um, difficult. There's a lot of work in it, but the rewards I think are there. You know, we just uh, it, it's just a rewarding experience. I just love doing it. So, when you were thinking about originally setting out the conference and and thinking about what you'd need to think about logistically and planning it all out, 
with with the first all, did it end up being any more or less work than you expected? Um, I'd say on balance more. I mean, the 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 format of the conference is is being sometimes referred to as the wedding format, and it's a bit like putting on a wedding, where you also have to worry about getting your guests to your to your venue, and um, or, or certainly all your all your speakers, right? That makes all a little bit different, though, doesn't it? Because with most conferences, it's hey, we're going to be at this major city, figure it out. And from what I gather, all is not necessarily the same. Is that fair to say? We we changed it up last year, Casey. So what happened was the first two years it was held in Dublin, major city. It's got an airport in it and so on. Uh, it's got like an international airport in it. Uh, last year we changed it up and we brought it to a place called Kilkenny, which is about a two-hour drive from, from Dublin, um, and put it on in a hotel. We rented a hotel. It's great. It's great where um, organising a conference goes. You get to ring up hotels and say, I'd like to rent your entire hotel, please. Uh, <laughs> and where can, when would you like to come in, sir? <laughs> Seriously. Now, when you, when you ring up a hotel and say, I'd like to rent you, please, and they say, what? And you say, I'd like to, I'd like to you know, rent the entire hotel. How, what is the reaction when you make that phone call? Once they believe you they start to treat you very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> How far in advance do you need to make these calls as well? Because I can't imagine many hotels are available completely for, you know, like that, you know, you, you must have to give them some sort of like, I don't know, a year? Like, how does it, that work? It wasn't quite a year. If we take it this year, I'd say we started talking to hotels in Killarney, which is where we're having it this year, uh, possibly around August time frame this year. So right. we, we do let the dust settle after all and we take a few weeks off to stop and, um, you know, see our families and stuff like that. And then... Um, we regroup and start the whole process again. So it's it's a good few months in advance. Remember, you know, if you're talking about the hotel season, March, April is where we've run the conference the last few years. It's before the season has really picked off It's or picked up. So um, y- y- they're very receptive to somebody who wants to take every room in the hotel. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, taking a, a step back, just a tad, and, and and I will come. I'll come back to this again in a minute, um, and we might talk about this a little more later on. But especially after the first all, what makes you want to keep doing it? Like, do you just enjoy like the experience of having all these people around you in your hometown for a couple of weeks? Like, is it a great way that you guys help? with your business like how what what becomes the motivation for why you continue to to want to do all every year it it starts life um i guess we we started it saying wouldn't it be great if we could have a conference and use dublin as a backdrop so to some extent it's um uh, the motivation was around having all these people that you look up to come visit you and to some extent you feel like a host in your own city um which is quite enjoyable now, but um, it, is that does that have a lot of pressure to it? Because especially for ignorant Americans like myself, you know, I've never been to Dublin. I've never been to Ireland. And so if I'm coming for your conference, do you feel compelled to play host not only for the conference, but for the entire country? Does that does the question make sense? The question does make sense. And in fact, you know, I, I think that was probably somewhat part of the motivation first time around is that we know... Um, you know we're confident that Ireland is a great place, that Dublin's a great city, um, and the other venues or the other cities we've used have been great as well. So um, there is that pressure, but as a it, it, you know, Ireland is often talked about in terms of its welcome and so on. That's not just marketing; it is that kind of place. So um, you know, we, when when we got, for example, we attracted some names that we could only have kind of hoped for first time around. But they all wanted to come back, it would seem. Everybody seemed <laughs> to have a really, really good time. So I, I don't know if that I don't know if that captures it, but um yes, there is pressure associated with it. And you do feel the weight of um you know, a lot a lot of it, if you take the audience for rule, for example, about a third of it is typically Irish, a third of it is from mainland Europe and a third from the United States. You've asked people to come quite a distance. 
for your conference. So yeah, you have to try and hope to put on the best show you can. So I feel like I have to jump in and just describe, in case you're not familiar, my exposure to Ool. And my exposure to Ool was a lot of people that I respect. I think you said you started in 2012. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of people I respect that I was sort of kind of starting to know at this point. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, this was before ATP. So a lot of people I respect and were strangers um, went to Ool. <laughs> Who wouldn't talk to me no matter they, how much I tried. That's exactly right. Uh, <laughs> they all went to Ool and then kept talking about how amazing it was. Then I started to get to know these people. And, and inevitably, when we were around each other, say at WWDC or something like that, somehow or another, Ool always came up. And inevitably, every single person said, you don't understand, it is the best. And then I vividly remember sitting at a um, Mongolian restaurant with Dave Whiskus and underscore David Smith, and Whiskus was going on and on and on about it. Um, this was after CocoConf last year, was going on and on about how amazing Ool is. And, oh, it's the best conference in the world. Oh, you don't even understand. It's so awesome. I'm so excited to go, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And universally, without fail, not only have I only ever heard good things, but I've only ever heard incredibly great things, which is why I am so damn bitter that I don't think I'm going to be able to go this year. Um, but I, I've heard unbelievably great things through and through, and not only for the conference, which is usually what it boils down to, but just as you were alluding to, uh, tons of great things about the area as well. So um, obviously it's lovely to hear that, but I guess from, from my perspective, um, I started to notice it over the last few years of going to WWDC because I go there for my day job. And um, the first year after Ool, which was only two months after it, um, I, you know, I'd find I'd be in a conversation with somebody and they'd say, so what do you do? And I'd say, I have my app development company in Dublin and I'm also co-organizer of this conference we ran in, in Dublin. And lots of people said, oh, was that Ool? And that was then <laughs> that I realized actually we've we've uh we seem to have got noticed here because you know look we were a couple of irish guys um yeah i was an ios developer paul's background is in ruby and he runs a ticketing system called tito but you know we just thought we were a couple of irish guys who who managed to pull it off in the first year if you know what i mean so when i when i started to notice people um people were recognizing the name and that was just after the first year um i felt we were onto something but as the years have gone on i you know i find i don't have to tell anybody when i go to wwdc what it is so i, I used to find myself going i ran this conference called ul and some people knew it most people knew it and some would say oh tell me about that now people seem to to just instantly recognize it when we talk about it over there so this is quite a, a a big question, I think, but it's one of the the key things that I'm interested in. What when you're when you're putting on a conference, so or, or any kind of project of this size, um, which is a monumental project to say the least, what does it take from you physically and emotionally to to put on? Um, it's. It it actually takes a fair whack, I think. It, it it takes a fair deal. I do notice, for example, um, there there would be stress associated with it because you know there's kind of lots of moving parts and lots of bits and pieces to get right, and we do find ourselves being quite obsessive about the details. So that can lead to um, that can lead to disagreements. We get through all this; it's part of the process. Um, so it takes up it takes up effort from that point of view. I guess it takes up a lot of headspace. So um you know, I'd say my own day job may have suffered somewhat in the last couple of years, but I've got a good team around me now who um who are very supportive. So uh like I say, if since since coming back for example January this year, I've done a fair bit of working late where I'm either working on my day job during the day or ill during the day and so and at in the evening doing the other one. Um so it takes up time. Uh it does take up emotion. It does take a little bit of stress, but it's all worth it. Do do the three of you, like you, Paul and Sasha, do you deal with things differently and does that help? We do deal with uh 
different things and in different ways and it absolutely does help so um you know if if I guess uh, Michael Lopp gave a great talk a couple of years ago called Stables and Volatiles and I felt at the time it was like talking about myself and Paul. Paul's a very creative guy, uh, very headstrong in, in his ideas and direction of the um, of of where rules should be and so on. So he'd be very strong on the creative aspects to it and um, working with creative people on things like the website. Um, I think I'm... Uh, probably a little more the cautious person who tries to temper that to make sure that we can afford it all and that everything that we can do and that the budget doesn't get out of hand and stuff like that um and then then sasha's a great people person so you know sasha does a great job in terms of uh helping us um uh, get get the right speakers. She also does a great job with the volunteer team, and she's great on the actual couple of days of running the conference too. So we all bring different things to the party, if you like. Um, I, I I've often described to people that at the start of Ool every year, Paul comes and pitches his vision, and I sit there just getting scared because it just sounds so <laughs> wacky. And at some point during it, we come to a thing that is actually. Uh, achievable but ambitious and so on so what what roles do you do you tend to fill then so like paul seems to be like maybe the like the creative director of the of the thing and then are you like do you feel like logistics and, and sasha maybe deals with like talent management and stuff like that uh, that could be a good way to put it sometimes i feel like the accountant <laughs> <laughs> um look you know it's not quite that um it's not quite that delineated because we all have inputs into all parts of it. So, you know, if, if for example, um, if, for example, we're doing a mail shot uh, out to the mailing list, um, one person might write, write it and then it might go through iterations between all of us to make sure we've got the message and the flow right and so on. So I, I, I think, you know, we all, while we all do have parts to play, we also overlap all over the place too. So last week on the show, we were talking a bit about like team collaboration and Slack and stuff like that. How do you guys stay in touch and, and keep up, to, like keep in contact with each other about all these insane things that must be happening all the time? So Slack is the main the main one we've been using this year and last year. Um, we also meet up pretty regularly. I mean, we we, we all Sasha works at my company Tapadu as well, so I you know I'm in contact with Sasha every day. But I'm I'm very conscious of the fact that um, we tried to separate Hotel because that wouldn't be fair to be talking about it with Paul not present. If you know what I mean, so yeah. we try and do delineate that quite well. So Slack, we do have a Slack room that's constantly on the go. Um, and then we do find is we try to meet up reasonably regularly to talk about the important stuff, if you like. What I wanted to ask you was kind of a multi-part question. I'm going to just lay all the parts on you and you can pick which ones you want to answer however you'd like. Okay. Um, but how hard is it, would you say, on your colleagues at Tapadu? Like, do, do they resent the time that you spend on Ool? Do do they all go to Ool? I mean, how big is Tapadu? Let's start with that simple question. Okay, so the simple question is tapping okay, is 11 so, staff. Right so, now. you know, when you're working on Ool, especially in the next two months, I got to imagine as you lead up to the big event, I I would assume that you're spending inordinately large amounts of time on Ool and perhaps letting Tapadu kind of fend for themselves a little bit. Is that the case? And do they resent that or do they roll with it? How does that all work? So there's a few things going on there. Um, Sasha is, in fact, uh, director of delivery in, in Tapadu. So she gets our projects out the door. So my job is to do the sales and get the projects in. Sasha's job is to get them out. So mm. if they were to resent anyone's time, it's probably Sasha's role. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I guess, you know, often my role finishes with a a sale of a project and then Sasha and the rest of the team kick in in terms of implementing that. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think there's resentment there. What I, you know, we do have our projects planned in advance. So, you know, say all of our current projects are ticking over quite well at the moment, and so on. And we've processes in place. You know, the the company's five years old now, so we're actually getting to a kind of um, 
if you like a mature approach to how we uh, how mm-hmm. we do various projects so that's not a problem the other thing is every year the entire Tapadu team have been brought to Ul. oh that's so, awesome so that means uh, you know and again that's happening this year uh, hotel room each uh, ticket each and so on and you know the, the company pays for that it's not a case of us um, you know it's not a case of me getting free tickets because I'm a uh, because I'm a, a uh, an organiser, it's that, you know, Ool itself has to, you know, it has costs associated with it, so we chip in. So, the whole team get to go, and the feedback has been quite positive from the team. They seem to really enjoy it. And an- another interesting thing is, if you take, for example, one of our guys, um, Mike, we got to know him because he was a volunteer at Ool last year. Oh, that's and awesome. Now he works for us, so I, I think that's kind of cool. Sasha started, um, you know, I got, uh, I knew Sasha from the startup scene in Dublin, but her, originally she came to Ul as a volunteer. Now she works with Tapadu as well. So, um, it, it, you know, it's actually been quite a fruitful employment ground <laughs> for me, you know. So if, if you're listening and you're in Ireland and you want a job at Tapadu, just volunteer at Ul. Exactly. <laughs> job done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a small price to pay. Exactly. Dermot, how hard is it to find speakers? I, I can't imagine that this is like a really simple thing to do. Like you just send some emails to like to John Gruber and Michael Lopin and they go, Okay, sign me up. Um it it's it's so for the two examples you've just done, Paul had some background. So Paul had worked with Michael Lop before in a in a previous conference and Michael knows John, so there's there's an element of connections. Um but every year we try and we start with a big list of prospects and we we have tried to do stuff like get people who are, if you like, slightly from outside our industry. So um, obviously there's a number of speakers we have that are well known among um, iOS and Mac development people and so on. But we also try to get people who are artists or you know well known in design, but not necessarily in iOS design and so on. Um, so we start with a reasonably big group, and it's often a case of just cold calling them. Now, luckily, as the conference gets more popular, we can go to previous speakers and say, "Who would you have liked to have, or, or who do you think is appropriate to Ul?" And people will often recommend somebody to us and then do intros to them as well. So I think as a process, um, our success rate is getting better. It's probably getting easier every year, I assume, from the way you've explained it. It is getting easier every year, but but the... You know, it it would be very easy to use the same speakers year in, year out. But the problem is that that would become stale for attendees. So, we, the I suppose the difficulty is usually finding new, um, new speakers who are good at what they do and all that sort of stuff, and will will bring a level of relevance to the to the conference. It does it doesn't have to be directly relevant. I like the idea of having outside perspectives and so on, but. Um, if if I was to call any of it a problem, it is actually widening the net every year. And then also, of course, we've got previous speakers who we really like, but it it, it seems unfair to our audience to overlap with too many speakers every year. So we have a couple of that feel like regulars now, but it would be it would be very easy to keep adding to that regular pool. And if you did that, you would never bring in new speakers. Why do you think people go to Ool? Um, like, because obviously, you know, it's a conference with speakers. But do you think people come for the come for the talks? I uh, my honest answer to that is I hope not. Um, we we have a couple of, um, if you like, um, guiding principles that have been there since day one that haven't changed, and I I really. Uh, and again, I'd give Paul credit for this. You know, he came to me with his guiding principles, and I think they they really held us in good stead. One of the things we talk about is reducing awkwardness. So we try and give people as much information as possible in the run-up to the conference so they don't have to worry about unnecessary things. Um, but another another really important thing to us is 
to to my mind and to our you know our collective mind, if you like, um, the interesting conversations you have at conferences are with other attendees. So, we always think of the talks, and this is no disrespect to our speakers, but the talks are really just reasons, um, for you as an attendee to hang your own conversation off. So we've strong emphasis on breaks. We've strong emphasis on socialising. Um, and that's all about, uh, and that's why I think people come to UL. That's why I think people come to the conference. Um, and and we we've continued that that theme throughout the few years. And um, uh, I think I think that's what people enjoy about it because they come away saying, they they come away with the with with new friends or they come away with new acquaintances or new people they've had, um, you know, interesting experiences with. And we also do stuff like we we have a policy of not having a green room for for speakers. We don't want speakers hidden away in a special ivory tower. We want <laughs> that if if. You know, if you attended a talk and you didn't agree with a part of it, that you can walk into the bar and find the speaker and say, here's why I have a differing opinion to you. So, uh, you know, every speaker is an attendee. We don't have special badges for the speakers or anything like that. We don't do green rooms. Um, we think it's just, it's it's all about the connections you make with other people at the conference. See, I my first all was, was last year's all. Um, and I think that maybe I got even the next the next kind of level of that because one of the the great things that I'm pleased that you guys are keeping up is that everybody is kind of locked away together um, because we are in a, a relatively remote part um, and it, from for all intents and purposes it seems like even more remote this time around so you you don't really get people running off to like go have a meal in that fancy place in Dublin or the bar you know so people don't break away into small groups as much and you can you can go up to everybody because you're all kind of in it together and, and that was really different to any other conference experience that I've had and I guess that to, to be honest that is is it's effectively policy right so uh, that came out. That 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 was something that evolved, right? So, year one and two, we didn't have a hotel venue. We had, uh, I guess, what would be conference venues. Um, and one thing we noticed was, in the second year, for example, we had all the speakers put up in the same hotel. What actually happened was, and even though our our events go late into the night, um. There was always a gang heading back to the speaker's hotel. So what you had was, say, another two hours that might happen. But that felt to me, and it felt to all of us, that's too much like an exclusive club. So yeah, you had the whole old experience, but if you were in the know, or if you happened to be staying in the same hotel as the speakers, the the conference went on a little bit more. And that was something we, we wanted to try to avoid. So that's why we moved it to a hotel last year. And we we got what you've just explained. You know, there there was no there was no part you missed. If if it wants to and I think I think one of the days last year I went I was I went to bed after the sun came up. It was properly bright, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, I I had to like remove myself to bed uh, basically every night, and I was like, I can't continue this to- anymore. <laughs> yeah, but it 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 remains. So, like I say, the the emphasis is on um is on socializing with the rest of the group, and if you if you book out the hotel in its entirety. You also reduce this awkwardness if you don't have to worry whether other people are at the conference because everybody is at the conference. When you're actually at Ool, can you enjoy yourself? Um, oddly, you can um, because the once the show starts, um, you're on a roller coaster. There's kind of nothing <laughs> you can do at that point. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. So, I do actually enjoy the event itself. I've I've had a really good time every year with it. Um, the 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 times when it's um, when if you like if you if you if your enjoyment levels change are things like uh, the couple of weeks beforehand when every single loose end has to be tied up. Um, that could be kind of you know worrying that in case you drop a ball somewhere. But um, once the conference starts, and if everybody's doing their job properly, uh, you can kind of relax and enjoy it. 
and kind of uh, I I want to switch gears um in a moment but the last the last kind of question that I have is what has been like the biggest lesson that you've learned so far over the last few years or like maybe another way to think of it what's the biggest mistake that you made that you've learned something from I guess um you know I actually think it's more about the the minor refinements we make along the way and and we're quite critical of ourselves so at the end of the conference um we usually do have a little debrief a couple of days later and you'd be surprised how hard we are on ourselves and we'll say this this part of it this was terrible and we might be the only people who know it was terrible but we're 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 that critical about ourselves so i i don't think there's one single thing but there's lots of little things but it's the it's the little things that we then try and improve and fix year on year. So if you take, for example, um, what we just spoke about, the the uh, the speakers all being in the same hotel and being able to drop back to that if you knew where it was and if you knew what the hotel was, that's kind of subtle because our our nights, you know, our our conference does go in on into night and everybody goes home reasonably happy. You'd hope. So. There were some people who knew that they were missing out on um on the the residence bar in the in the speaker's hotel, but most people didn't right so most people would get over that but to us it was like that was a mistake we need to fix it, so we fix it the following year, so we try to refine year on year, and I think that's kind of they're minor let let me give you another example um when a speaker finishes talking at all, the lights are brought up. Music is put on, and a slide is put on the on the screen to say when the next talk is going to come on. And this is all about making the audience know it's okay to go take a bathroom break. You've got 15 minutes. It's okay to turn and chat to the person beside you. Or if you want to go out to the bar and grab a drink and then chat to people out there. It's all about people having... Um, having understanding of it it's this reducing awkwardness mantra if you like um in last year's old the first two speakers the guys running the av got it wrong and we had to go say to them you're doing it wrong go fix this do you know what i mean so these are these are kind of subtle i guess um of course now everybody who hears this will be looking for it next year (laughs) 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 um but these are the kind of minor improvements that make your conference better and i i'm even kind of reticent to say that i think i mean you guys have been very complimentary tonight but it is up to our attend attendees to tell us we're doing it well not for me to sit here and say that yeah so i have a couple of questions um because i'm fascinated by this and i guess living vicariously through you guys um what is your favorite part of the conference each year can you pick one or or maybe a couple Oh, it's probably sitting in a bar listening to Don Melton. <laughs> <laughs> I have not had the pleasure of meeting Don, but from everything I've heard, he is a phenomenally awesome person to talk to. Don Don's great. I mean, you know, Don just carries around stories. He's got tons of them, you know, and um, he's an interesting guy and he he swears like an Irishman. And <laughs> he... he you know, it it's it's things like that. I mean, you know, how else would I have got to know the guy who led the safari team at Apple? Yeah, you know, yeah. so so it's it's that sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, Doctor Wave Michael Johnson, he's been a lunchtime speaker at WWDC for years. He came and spoke at Ool a couple of years ago, and then the last time, last two times I've been to WWDC, he's invited me over to Pixar for lunch. That's how do awesome. I get to go. How do I get to go to Pixar? That is awesome. <laughs> Isn't isn't that cool? So that's so amazing. Um, you know, if you ever have the pleasure of uh, spending time with with Don, just sit there, get him a drink, and listen. It's it's just <laughs> great. Yeah, fun. you're if you're talking, you're wasting time. You absolutely <laughs> are. Do you know? Um, it, to to give you a little example, last year, him and his wife were telling us the story about he took the iPad home to test how it would work when you are lying down in bed for reading. So this is during the development of the iPad. He was on the Safari team still. He had to make sure his browser would work and all orientations and so on. He couldn't tell his wife what he had 
So he was coming <laughs> home, locking himself in his basement and lying down on a mattress to testify. <laughs> <laughs> and his, and his, his wife came out with the line saying, I thought he was down there watching porn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, Isn't that's that cool? fantastic. And how, to your point, how else are you going to hear that story? Like, I mean, obviously, our listeners are getting it secondhand, but I, but with respect, I got to imagine hearing it from the horse's mouth has got to be so much better. So It's so much better. All right. So my final question for, for this segment of the show um, and, and I don't, I hope this doesn't come across negative because I don't mean it that way at all, but how do you think you'll know when you're done? And I ask that because, um, you know, the, the, the retirement, almost a death, but let's go with retirement of Singleton this year um, has made me super sad because I had the pleasure of going, not this past one, the last one, but the one prior and Singleton is another show, a conference that everyone just raved about. And for good reason, because it was tremendous. Um, and, and I'm sad about that, but I completely understand why Guy and, and, and Luke and everyone had decided this is this is it. How do you do you think you'll have any particular cue that that you guys are are good to go and you're done? Or is it one of those things where you just know when you're in love and you know when you're not? I think um, a, a couple of things could could do it. I think you're right. I think um, if if for some reason you didn't have the appetite to do it, uh, you would just know. And to some extent, I think that's a bit like when a band fizzles out or something like that. <laughs> you know, I you know I I've no experience of this sort of stuff, but I I think it would be the case of you know if for any reason you lost the love for doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I will say is that running a conference is financially quite a risky thing to do. And um, so what I mean by that is you you pay for a lot of stuff up front. If you go hire a hotel, they want large um, they want large deposits before you've put a ticket on sale and so on. Mm-hmm. So um, if we if we ever had a major screw up around finances, that could probably you know, well, that'd certainly be a worry because it'd affect you personally because somebody's got to mm-hmm. foot the bill, right? Right. But, you know, thankfully that hasn't been the case at all. And, um, you know, so it, it, it would take, I, I think it would take either falling out of love with the concept or uh, a financial catastrophe. <laughs> that makes sense but to I, me. I, I don't envisage either of those things. Well, I mean, the only thing that I really care about is that it's still around in 2016, because if I don't get to go to to Ool before it retires, I'm going to fly to Ireland and I'm going to kick your butt. So you have to at least give me through 2016. And and then at that point, I I should be able to go and maybe all three of us will be able to go at that point. But um, so this can't be the last one. I, I Casey, I really want you to come. I want to so badly. In fact, I was telling Dermot uh, just a week or so ago that Aaron and I, still not even really sure if it was going to work or not, attempted to get Declan a passport. And so long story short, the way that works in the United States is you have to go and get like kind of a very, very brief interview and apply in person. And so we called the local post office because that's where these interviews happen to take place. And, and I said, hey, I'd like to schedule a, a passport interview. They said, well, okay, the next interview is in May. Um, <laughs> well, that's not going to work. No. So, so I called other post offices. Yep, that'll be April. Yep, late March. Yep, April. Yep, late March. And wow. that obviously wasn't going to work. So eventually one very helpful postal worker said, well, the big post office in Richmond, they actually su- will accept walk-ins. And so I said to Aaron, okay, no problem. We're going to go down. We're going to walk in. We're going to get this done. And even though we're not 100% sure whether or not we can make it, at least it'll leave the option open. And this is about a week or two ago. So we get Declan bundled up with, and, you know, when you have a three-month-old who isn't the most consistent baby in the world, that's a bit of an adventure to begin with. We drive down to the post office. We walk in. The line is basically overflowing. And as we're walking in, a postal worker is announcing to the group, just so everyone knows, the wait this morning is four hours. Uh, It's a Monday morning, and I have to be at work two hours ago already. I was... You know, I was I was going to make up the time later in the week 
just so I could g- go and get this done. And we walk in and we hear it'll be four hours. And so we said, well, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll reevaluate. And so what I think I'm going to do is I, I don't think it's going to work out for this year, not only because of the passport, but because he's so darn young. But my intention is uh, in the next week or so to call and make an appointment for March or May or what have you, get his passport squared away now. And so this way come March or April, or whenever you guys do it in 2016, we have no excuses, not that I'm looking for them, but still, we have no excuses, and, and darn it, I want to be there. Let's call it one less thing to worry about next year, rather exactly. than no excuses. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a much better way of looking at it. As as a little sidebar on passports, um, I don't know if you remember this, Casey, I probably told you when we met last year at WWDC. Um, I've, I've gone to WWDC four times now. Um and I typically go Saturday to Sunday or Saturday to Saturday. Last year on the Thursday night, I realized oh, yeah, I do my passport was out of date. <laughs> That's so oh. bad. <laughs> and oh, would you believe God. I got a passport the next day? It can be done. It can be done if you uh, are very pleading and very nice to the people in the passport office in Dublin. It can be done. I remember you tweeting about this now, actually. Because yeah, I remember seeing I think it. I at the live time. tweeted it. Basically. Yeah, I remember it at the time. I was like, "Dermot's not going. No way is he going. He's not going to make it." And, but you and did. An, another thing that happened was that day. So I put in everything, and they said, uh, "They said something along the lines of, call back here at four o'clock." They didn't say you will have a passport. They just oh, said, God. "Call back here at four o'clock." And as it turned out, at three o'clock, near to the passport office, I was going to a studio to record another podcast, which was a preview about WWDC. <laughs> I was telling That's about so all bad. I was going to be doing next week, not knowing if I was even going, but it turned out I got it back at four o'clock. So. Quite an adventure. God, I, I could not handle that. I, I would cry. I would go fetal, and I would cry. I, it, you know, there's there's another little... A little addition to that story was that you know when i came back from wwdc a couple of weeks later and i was having dinner at my parents house and i recanted the whole story and my mother said on the bright side you'll never let that happen to you again <laughs> it's actually the third time we've had a passport <laughs> emergency in my house <laughs> oh my gosh i cannot imagine at least you've yeah. got like 10 years though now until until you have I've another problem. The, the, the previous two times were one, we arrived up to go on a holiday, a family holiday to Spain to find out one of my kids' passports was out of date and had to not get on that flight. Oh, um, we managed to get a passport that day and we lost only 11 hours of our holidays, which was pretty stunning. And the next time it was my wife who needed to go away and found her passport out of date. So... I can't I believe I this has learned. happened more than once, let alone three times. That is insane. Because it's the same problem as well. Just yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> but but, but on the plus side, you are an expert at getting a passport in record time. I certainly I, am. I all right, Mike, why don't you tell us about something that you find to be awesome these days? This week's episode of Analog is brought to you by our friends over at Hover. Quite simply, Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. It is the only place that I think of going when I want to buy a domain. They have everything that you're going to need and they give it to you in a way that is fantastic. So when you go to Hover.com, you've either got an idea already or you've got a, you know, a rough idea of the type of thing that you're looking for. You type in what you're looking for. If it's available straight out, you can just go through and buy it. Otherwise, they're going to give you suggestions for the types of things that you want. So if you know you want to type in like passportrenewal.com and it's not available, maybe they're going to give you some other suggestions. Or maybe you know some some they have like these pretty smart robots that can uh, suggest some other things for you as well. They're, they're pretty good at that. So they can you know they can go in and be like, oh maybe you want newpassportrenewal.com that kind of thing. But they they do it in a pretty good way. You know, usually you see at these sort of services, they just throw the word new on every single result. But I've I've seen some pretty interesting ideas come out of the ones that Hover have, have given me. Especially when I was trying to, uh, me and Stephen were trying to come up with names for Relay. Um, Hover was a really useful tool <laughs> because of, not, not only did it 
tell us if there were domains available, it also would t- give us other ideas for other avenues to try. So pretty pretty good. This is pretty good for that kind of thing. And when you do go to buy the domains that you're looking for, so you find what you want, you find them at good prices, like their .com domains, they start at $12.99. They've recently lowered prices on a bunch of their uh, TLD options that they have. You kind of just, you just select what you want, you go through, you either log in, you set up an account, and it's just simple. They don't throw a thousand options at you with 25 different types of gold, platinum, or super mega platinum service. You just go in, you select what you want. They give you who is privacy for free because Hover believed that your private information should be private. You just go in and you just get it done. They have fantastic customer support. They have a no hold, no wait, no transfer telephone support policy. Uh, when you call Hover, you're going to talk to an actual human being. They don't have any robots there. Their robots power the domain recommendation. They don't power the customer service Um, but they also have great email support they have great documents and guides as well Uh, but if one of the guys you're looking for is to help get help with transferring your domain from other providers close that guide because hover's valet service can do it for you they take all of the hassle away from switching from your current provider you just tell them what you want to switch you give them the keys to your previous provider and they will just move it for you for free whether you have 10 domains or 200 domains it doesn't matter however have all the tlds you'd expect .com, .co.me they have all the crazy new ones as well if that's what you're looking for you can find them all at hover Com. So go to hover.com right now and try them out. You want to use the code caffeine at checkout and you'll get 10% <laughs> of your first purchase at hover.com because if Casey won't use it, you should. And you, can show, <laughs> you can show your support for Analog and Relay FM. Thank you so much to Hover for their support of this show. So I'm, I'm going off to, to register passport renewal reminder.com. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and this is my very last thing about passports because there's no way to make this story any less boring. But um, I subsequently asked Siri to remind me in 10 years to renew my passport. <laughs> and guess what? I think there's an unsigned signed mismatch because it said, I can't remind you for something in the past. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, it knows. interesting. It knows. <laughs> I think they converted ten years to milliseconds and then had an unsigned mismatch. That's what I'm convinced about. That's amazing. That's actually yeah. a really interesting story. Ah, so, story. You never would have thunk it. Uh, when a couple of weeks ago, when we were when we were talking about all, I, I kind of in in brief passing mentioned that. My my kind of important story with all, and I, and I want to recap it and maybe go into a little more detail in case I didn't before but this is kind of to set the stage for what i wanted to talk to you about next time so all was uh really important for me because it was at a time where i was trying to think about where did i want to go next with all of my different careers in life like what what did i want to do with my actual jobby job uh, my job job as we call it i'm afraid i apologize uh and also <laughs> like with with podcasting uh, i was at five by five at the time um i'd i can't remember how long i've been there maybe a year at that point um and i'd done uh my previous i run my previous network before then and i was thinking about like you know what what do i want to do next and all was also like a really important thing for me because it was it was the first time I was doing anything like this on my own. Um, previously, I've been to WWDC, I've been to some other, I've been to like XOXO as well. Um, so there was some stuff where I was used to, but I always went with with people on these kinds of things. So it was it was a real kind of like um, that. The trip was very important to me. It was kind of like a to say I, I i don't think these are the this is the right term it's maybe a little bit too grand but like a kind of a rite of passage like it, it was this thing that i was doing which in which i was trying to prove something to myself that one i could go to these things on my own like there's nothing to be scared of and the other was like you are going to come away from this with a with a clearer thought about what you want to do um and i did like being at all like no decisions were made at that point like I wasn't sure that I even wanted to start a network or anything like that it was just a case of when I was there listening to the people talk and this and just getting to know some people better and, and making stronger friendships and new connections it kind of solidified to me that like whatever I want to do I can kind of just do it um, and there's there's nothing that can stop me 
So I know that, like for me personally, my my kind of next chapter, which then led to me and Stephen founding Relay together, that that journey really did start at that weekend, and and it's it's now like when I was trying to deliberate whether I wanted to to go to all because originally like it was just oh can I can I afford it like I've just sure. I've just started a new business. Like, can I afford this? Yeah. But then my main reason for why I decided I need to do this was like, I remember how incredibly important it was to me last time. And I can only assume it's going to be of similar importance this time. So that's that's kind of my story, Dermot. Uh, so I'm interested. You must know of pe- other stories that occur from people. So do you have any kind of idea that when people are coming to the conference that they they come for these grand ideas and grand plans? Um, I, I guess it's hard to tell if people come for you know with something like that in mind. And to some extent, Mike, it's probably worth noting that you know it 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 happened to coincide with a point in time in your life and so on. Mm-hmm. So while it's great to hear that it acted as a catalyst. Um, there's an element of luck involved in that as well, if you like, right? So, but I, you know, I, I think it's wonderful to hear that. There's, there's two, um, there's, there's two things that spring to mind from this year alone, um, or sorry, from last year, which is actually two Irish guys. So, um, one person, his name is Darren Casey. He's a, he's a, a local guy. In fact, we, we had interactions with him professionally at Tapadu, but, um. He decided I'm coming to Ulla. I always wanted to do this, and he he bought his ticket last year. And shortly after he bought his ticket, we announced that we were doing a 5k run. And he assumed that everybody was going to do the run, so said, "Jesus, I better get in shape here." So, <laughs> <laughs> so off he went and started running. Now, um, he 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 has wrote to me about this and said that um he hasn't stopped running he's still doing it um uh, that's a year later and he's lost over 30 pounds in weight oh wow so there's a there's a uh a health and well-being aspect to it that i think i think that's a fantastic story and uh an- another guy who's a designer tweeted a couple of weeks ago that he's just passed the 500 kilometer mark and he started running because there was a run at all last year now I, I I find both of those things really uplifting and really rewarding. I love to hear it, and I I did put out a tweet a few weeks or probably about a week ago saying, you know, it's about the outcomes. So whatever about uh, you know what happens on the night and or over a couple of days and people enjoying each other's company and so on, but if somebody comes back to me in six months later and said that was the thing that made me go indie, or that was the thing that you know made me start whatever it is I started or made me get a little fitter. I I think that's really, really good. That makes me personally feel very good. When you're there, like, is there any kind of idea that, that and you know, again, this is quite grandiose, but do you do you get the feeling like this is this is life changing type stuff. Like when you're there and you're seeing people like make connections, or you're hearing like incredible things that people are saying. Like, does it ever kind of feel that way? Like that this is an important thing that you do. During the moment, honestly, I don't really think so. And I, I and I think you're right. That does sound a little grandiose. Obviously, for me and Paul and the, and Sasha and the people involved in. in doing the conference it's an unforgettable experience it's like a it's like a major job that you know when you go back and look over your cv you know in years to come you'll always have had all if you know what i mean but um i guess where i do notice it are things like um people you see people connecting with each other on uh on twitter and so on or having a conversation and it's three months later and you know they didn't know each other before all that sort of stuff uh, I see fairly regularly, and I do find that that's um, that's something that uh, you know. Again, that's an outcome. Uh, I know uh, Chris Harris, who runs Glide, and Chris has done the old app for the last couple of years, and I love his work. And he's he's the guy behind the um, the Wonders of the Universe app, which is a stunning app. And before the first duel, Paul ran into him at um, at Asimkonf, 
uh, and you know that's Horace's conference over in um, Amsterdam and Chris demoed his app and Paul was blown away by it and said will you come and show this at my conference next week and uh, Chris came over and he, he's got a great team behind him and all just absolute wizard programmers and he gave a tiny demo at all but from that he got to know um, he, he got to know Jim he got to know uh, John because his work is so good. And it just means that now when he goes to WWDC, he meets, uh, you know, he, he's getting to know more people who know about his great product now. And and he has said to me that he feels that um, that, that visit that he did in the first year was a springboard. And he said he genuinely considered what they were doing. You know, he said, we just thought of ourselves as another development shop like he you know he didn't think that wonders was particularly stunning it is stunning by the way it's absolutely stunning Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but i guess this was the chance to put it in front of some very influential people who who will speak nicely about it if if they think it's a good product you know so um you know chris would be another guy who would who would you know, speak to me personally quite highly about the effects the conferences has has on him. Like uh, I'd met Chris before all last year, but it was at all last year that we became good friends. Like so, and now me and him, like we we meet up in London and stuff quite a bit because we'd kind of met three times overseas before we'd ever met in London, <laughs> which is kind of stupid, but that's just kind of the way that we are. But so it is it is interesting how those those kinds of things happen. Like uh, me and Jason Snell had a, had a really great long chat uh, at all last year. And, and I, you know, I, I genuinely believe that it, it made us closer friends and now we have a show together, you know. So there are little things like that where I think you draw the lines back and you you find these interesting little things like and and I think it's really it's really cool that you have a a place where these things happen it it feels a bit like serendipity or something you know it's just i guess you the the the, the conference becomes a place where you've brought all these nice people together and then if you like then then you know real life takes over people get to know each other they get to enjoy each other's company I met Casey through Chris. You know, I wouldn't have known Chris if it wasn't for all. I met Casey uh, at WWDC last year. Casey, I'm talking to you, talking about you as if you're not here. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's how I, you know, that's how I got to meet Casey and Aaron. So, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I, connections are a huge important part of this. Important, important part of it. And, you know, in the corporate world, we'd call it networking. But it doesn't feel like networking. It feels like having a good time with a lot of people that you happen to really like and respect. Yeah, that's a really good thing because, like, it is networking for me. Like, but I don't like to call it that because I have lived and worked in a world where that is a horrible thing. But yeah. it's not a horrible thing. It's a really good thing. And everybody kind of wants to do it. Where usually in networking, there's about 75% of the people don't want to be doing it, yeah. <laughs> even though they're doing it. Uh, so I, I don't, there, there needs to be a better word because then all the other words still sound terrible, like making connections. Like it's yeah. all just <laughs> sounds terrible. Somebody needs to come up with something. But it is, it is like that. It is definitely like that. Absolutely. You know, I have a um, a quick story, and then perhaps we can wrap because it's an absurd hour of the evening for you, for you lovely gentlemen. Um, when when I went to my first WWDC, it was 2011, and the only I knew two people that were going. I had a friend from Richmond that um, I used to work with that was going, uh, Jamie Pinkham, and then I knew Marco. And for a little while, it. Well, probably for most of the conference, actually, it was Marco and his random friend that nobody really knew, which was me. And, you know, when possible, I would follow Marco around because I didn't know anyone really. And when I couldn't, then I would do the best I could. Kind of like what you were talking about, Mike, when you went to Ool. Well, I think it was the very first night at, it was Sunday night at WWDC. I stumble into the Chieftain with Marco. Outside the Chieftain, I meet Jim Dalrymple. I walk into the Chieftain, and I want to say it was that very first night I met Chris Harris, 
I met uh, Adam Swindon. I met Mateusz Dwecki. I met all of these guys, and I consider them all very good friends of mine. And I bring this up mostly to say how crazy and small a world is this? Like, yes, we're all in the same kind of uh, atmosphere, not atmosphere. We're in the same like click for lack of a better term. But I met Chris in 2011 at WWDC. Fast forward to the, you know, the first duel or the second duel, uh, Dermot, when you met Chris, then fast forward to, you know, WWDC in the, in the past, this past duel when, when Mike, when you met Chris. So, Maybe what I'm saying is this episode wouldn't have happened without Chris Harris. <laughs> I think but, that's very true. I think that's but very what true. a small world. What a crazy small world we all live in. Absolutely. I, I, I find myself really looking forward to WWDC because I have what I think of as my WWDC friends. right? And now lots of them come to Ull. But um, I don't know if you guys know Gordon Hughes. Uh, Gordon's going to be at Ull this year. But um, Gordon is somebody I met at my first WWDC back in 2009. And we were on a, a, it was actually a state-funded, almost like a trade mission that, that brought us out there. And Gordon came, just kind of found this gang of Irish people. We were using this hashtag, Paddy Invasion. And, and um, <laughs> I think Gordon was kind of out there on his own himself, and he found us, and he stuck with us for a couple of weeks. And every time I go to WWDC, he's the guy I'm out looking for. To, to, you know, I just associate with him with... with my WWDC friends, if you like. So, um, yeah, I I totally agree with you, Casey. It's uh, it, it it is this giant tribe, I guess. But there's lots and lots of really nice people, and it's it's kind of weird that I typically only get to see them in San Francisco. But um, you know, I've been very very privileged that lots of them have started coming to the conference that myself and Paul and Sasha are working on. I think it's great. So, Dermot, where can people find out more about Ull if they would like to? Uh, it's very easy. It's ull.ie is the website. Um, what about for you personally? For me, if they want to, well, I'm on. I'm I'm at Derm Daily at Twitter. That's probably the easiest way to find me. The company's tapadoo.com. Get in the plug. However, <laughs> you got to do it. You got to do it. We carve out this time just for that. You'll edit that right out. I know you're going to. Nah, that's a lie. Because now, now I'm going to do it for both of us as well. So if you'd like to find Mr. Casey List, he has a website, don't you know? And it's at caseylist.com. You should get caseylist.ie. I love it. Casey okay. List. Yeah, I, I certainly could. I'll, I'll look at Hover, if that's how you'd like to pronounce it, and I will check it out. Yeah, Casey, check on, check on why don't you get case.ie? Then you'll have Casey. Oh, I wonder if that's available. That's kind of interesting. Whoops. It helps if you type it right. All right. Well, now I have an exercise for myself once we end the show. But Mike, why don't we continue to end the show? <laughs> and also, you can follow him online. He is at C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. That's Casey Liss. I uh, am a host of many shows on Relay FM, Relay.fm. To find out more about the things that I do. Uh, and I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, if you want to find me on the internet, you can do so there. And if you'd like to find our show notes for this week, which actually have links to all that stuff in there anyway, go to relay.fm slash analog slash 26, or you can find it in your podcast application of choice. Just do some swiping up, down, left, or right, and I'm sure that they will appear at some point uh, if you have a lovely designed application. Um, and thanks again to Hover for sponsoring us this week, and thank you to Dermot for joining us. But most of all, thank you for listening. Until next time, bye-bye. Dermot, thank you so much for coming on. And that was um, great. I, I have gone through three boxes of tissues. So I don't know what you guys, <laughs> I don't know where you, what the bet was, but the answer is three. Um, now, I, I, Aaron and I went back and forth about it so much. And I, I will make this very quick because I know I've said this to you before. But um, I don't think it's going to work out this time, this year for a plethora of reasons, not the least of which was is the passport. However, um, and I, I think you believe me, but it's important to me that, that you know that I really, 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 actually both of us, not just me, really want to go really I, badly. No, so, I get, I get year. that. And, and to be honest, you know, I was having a bit of fun with you on Twitter the last couple of weeks, but I, I, I did purposely um, stop hassling you because, <laughs> you know, I'm lucky that my youngest kid is now eight, right? Yeah, but yeah. I do remember what it's like trying to travel with young kids and... 
it's a rigmarole, right? And it, yeah. it, it's just a multiplier almost. You know what I mean? Exactly. Whatever about taking the time off and getting on a plane, you know, all the way from the states to here. I understand it's a real big deal. Add a child into the mix, and you've just doubled your effort or tripled your effort or something. I I get it. So, um, here's hoping I'll see you over in San Francisco uh, later on this year. Anyway. Oh, that that is the plan. I, I will. I'm not stating this as fact, but my intention is, even if I don't get a ticket, I'm at least going to make an appearance. And and the question is, now that Erin is quote unquote retired, which is to say she has an even harder job than she used to, um, <laughs> uh, there it stands to reason that maybe all three of us will be there, or perhaps we'll ditch the little guy at that point, and maybe it'll be just the two of us. So we'll sure. see. But um, but no, Erin Erin is deeply saddened that she didn't get to meet like Mike, for example. But she still, every once in a while, talks about how much fun she had that that Sunday or Saturday night. Saturday night, I think. It was um, when we were at the Park 55 and, and she got to meet you, Dermot, and, and talk to you more than anyone. And, and she still, every once in a while, says to me how much fun she had. So That's um, great. No, I, I deeply appreciate you uh, trying to go out of your way to, to get me there. And no offense was ever taken. I, I did get a good laugh out of all the ribbing yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I really hope to be there next year. And all I know is I'm going to I'm pretty much going to disconnect all of the, all of the internet when all happens so not only will i not be able to see what you're posting but i will i will prevent you mike and dermot i will prevent both of you from posting anything because i'm going to obliterate the internet it belongs to america and i'm going to turn it off <laughs> okay you carry on with that buddy i wish you the best of luck that is one of those things isn't it like it must just be so frustrating for people because i know because i've been there you know like- what's not being there yeah, like when when you're not at the the thing that everybody's mm-hmm, at, and mm-hmm. it's so upsetting because everybody's talking about it. Well, so. it is it is what it isn't. Like at this point, I don't know how to say this without sounding snotty, but you know, you guys are all my friends. Like even people like I don't know Gruber well, and I don't know if I would go so far as to cons- to say he's a friend, but we, we certainly know each other. And where a year or two ago I would have been like oh this was my missed opportunity to really befriend john and and really get to know him now i I don't feel that need anymore no but i would say it's worse because now (laughs) now, like i was trying to cheer myself up and now you're ruining it yeah no i won't won't allow it uh because now like it's time (laughs) that i'm not getting to spend with friends rather than that's true that's time trying to be spent wooing people Nah, I, I think I I think I had it in. Uh, I know where you're coming from, Casey, because I had it with um, Singleton a couple of years ago, where mm-hmm. pretty much everybody I follow was at it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it was that kind of thing. But I I get you. But look, there will be opportunities in the future. I'm, oh, absolutely. I'm convinced of it. Is uh is Chris going again this year? Chris Harris. Chris is going. Yep, yeah, absolutely. God bless it. I'm so angry. Um, as a very very quick final note, I, you'll, you're just gonna have to hang up on me. I won't be offended. But um. I wanted to point out, I didn't say it on the show because I felt like it was going to lead down a tangent that was not going to be entertaining, but what you had said about removing awkwardness rang so true to me because one of the things that I hate about traveling, especially when it's to something like a conference where I may not have a lot of control over what's happening, I don't like not knowing things. Like when I travel, I'll put together either like a packet, a physical packet of printed papers, or at the very least, like a bunch of shit and trip it just to make sure that I know sure. exactly where I'm supposed to be, exactly when I'm supposed to be there. I have a backup plan for any travel related possible issues because I'm an idiot and I'm crazy. But were you saying that, that you try to remove all that awkwardness? Like if I were to put on a conference, which I wouldn't because I'm, not an idiot with all respect. Um, I would do, I would do it exactly the same way though. Or I like to think I would because that sort of just annoying awkwardness where all you needed to do Dermot is put the next uh, talk will be in 15 minutes. That's yeah. all you needed to do, but you didn't do it. And it's now I'm milling about wondering, do I even have the time to pee before the next, yeah. con- the next talk? Like, Oh, it, it made me so happy hearing you d- describe it that way. It, it, it's also why we have a single track. Because yep, we yep, yep. hate the idea of somebody sitting in a talk wondering should be in should they be in the other one. Yep, I totally right. agree. You know, so it's um, it's it's a nice mantra because if we're ever not sure about something, we say, "Does that not seem a little awkward?" And then <laughs> you, you, you know, then you can have a debate about something that's useful. You know, um, yeah, yeah, it works well. It's it's um, like I say, a few of those guiding principles I think have really helped us along the way. Oh, very much so. Dermot, I'm not going to keep you awake for much longer, mate. Thank you so much for joining us today. 